Hey guys, welcome back to Fiction Fixation. We're your hosts. I'm Courtney. And I'm Rose. And this week, we're going to be recapping the 2015 romance fantasy movie, The Age of Adeline, starring Blake Lively, Harrison Ford, Michael Huseman. Heisman? Heisman sounds familiar. Heisman. It's a football award. Michael H. I love, you know what my favorite thing is, is that you're in charge of saying the actors' names. I love that for you. (laughs) Because if I had to say it, it would be, it would be really embarrassing and I just wouldn't do it. You know what I love? I love that I never look up how to say them ahead of time. (laughs) I... I don't prepare at all. And you know what? I Maybe I should. It's part of your charm. That's fine. I'm sure he doesn't mind at all that you're butchering his name. Just like when I call Barack Obama Barry, if he has a problem with it, he could personally correct me. One of these days, somebody is going to personally correct me yeah. and I'm going to cry. Well, they're going to like show up in your house in the middle of the night with a bat and they'll be like, I'm here to personally correct you. Barack Obama is going to be like, bitch, call me Barry one more time. He's just going to send the secret service to do it. I think he would do it himself. That's such a Barry move, you know? So our movie centers around Blake Lively. Obviously. I don't think I've ever seen a movie Mm -hmm. with Blake Lively in it where she's not the main bitch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, except Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Well, she's still like a main bitch. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have Blake Lively who plays Adeline Bowman. Her husband died in a tragic accident. He died building the Golden Gate Bridge, which is kind of insane. So this all takes place in San Francisco. In the early 1900s, I almost said in the 1900s. And it's like, oh, we were born in the 1900s. Don't. We don't need a repeat of the last episode where I lose it. So first of all, Adeline is such a pretty name, isn't it? Yes. That was one of the names I had picked out if we had a girl. That's such a pretty name. So in the 1900s, <laughs> why do why does it sound so weird to say the that? The early 1900s. Okay. In the early 1900s, her husband dies building the Golden Gate Bridge. And to me, that's so bizarre yes. because imagine this is such a landmark of San Francisco and really kind of the U.S. It's one of those like main landmarks. Yes. So imagine every time she looks at that bridge, she thinks about her husband who died. After her husband's death, Adeline's parents have Adeline's five-year-old daughter. Adeline is on her way back to go pick up her daughter, and she's in this freak accident. It's snowing in San Francisco. Yeah, it's snowing. This is outside of San Francisco. This is Northern California, but it's still very rare for it to snow there. It's snowing. Adeline's car goes off the road into the water. The water is freezing. She goes into hypothermic shock. We have a narrator, which, you know what? We never know who the narrator is. We, I want to think it's God. <laughs> you think God is like, move on over, Morgan Freeman. I've got this one. Like, I'm literally going to narrate this lady's life because she, she's yes. like lively. Yes. Well, yeah. So the narrator tells us this very scientific explanation for what happens where it's mm-hmm. like her heart stopped and she was dead for two minutes and then the lightning struck the car and it kind of served as a defibrillator for her heart and her heart started Uh beating again. Yeah, and like her core body temperature was down to exactly 87 degrees for two minutes and then her heart stopped and something happened with the photon things in her DNA that stopped them from reproducing. Photons are light particles, I think, right? Sure. (laughs) 
I just, you know, I love how there's a bunch of scientific mumbo jumbo and I'm just like, word, that sounds so accurate. You know what? I see this and I'm like writing it down. Like, how can I recreate (laughs) this exact scenario? Because what ends up happening because of the very specific events that happened to Adeline with her heart stopping and her core temperature dropping to the specific temperature and then her getting defibrillated by literal lightning, she is now unable to age. She will now, from this point forward, not age. And we get a little montage of her life from then forward, but I'm just curious, when do you think it actually hit her that she wasn't aging? It probably took a good like 10, 15 years. I have to argue it probably took a good 30 years because let me tell you, Courtney, most people I know think that they aren't aging. I think I'm not aging. Like most people are just like, oh yeah, I look exactly the same as I did when I was 18. Well, see, she didn't really notice until people started noticing. Remember when people were like, oh my God, you look like your daughter's sister. And then she got pulled over when she was 45. The police were like, hey, listen, your driver's license says you're 45. And she's like, I am. And then people started asking questions. So I think it really hit her probably when she was like 45 years old. Yes. And that's when she started getting scared too, because the police officer confiscated her license. And he was like, you know what? You come to the station tomorrow and pick this up. And she was like, sure, 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 sure. And then she packed up and left town. Yeah. But then the FBI started getting kind of curious. I'm confused by this FBI part because FBI agents come up to her, put her in a car and they say like they literally say don't you worry about a thing ma'am we just need to run some experiments well do you think the fbi wouldn't be curious if somebody's seemingly not aging i don't think the fbi is the one that deals with this stuff fbi is just would that be like cia i i don't know but i feel like fbi is just federal police like they're not interested in like scientific stuff well who runs area 51 is that cia or fbi is that even a real thing area 51 We all know it is. Okay. (laughs) That was a trick question. That was a trick question. (laughs) Listen, if it ever turns out that Area 51 is not actually a real thing, I think we're all going to be like, fucking really? Really? Do you know what's insane? I don't understand how the world hasn't descended into madness yet with the almost near confirmation of aliens. Because honestly, now it's just another thing. We're like, okay. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Honestly, like at this point, we're just like, all right, are they coming to destroy us, take us, conquer us? What? Yeah. Just just do it. Another unprecedented event. Another one. Like millennials are like, for fuck's sake. We'll just add it to the fucking list. Imagine how boomers feel. Imagine how boomers feel. (laughs) Well, boomers destroyed our fucking economy. So (laughs) just kidding. No one cares how boomers feel. They destroyed our economy and have the nerve to call us lazy. So we don't care about their feelings, to be completely honest. Yeah, it's funny. So we're all hung up on aliens. Whatever is happening to Adeline is obviously supernatural. I don't know why they went out of their way to give like a scientific explanation. It was more like a scientific fantasy, like a sci-fi fantasy explanation. So Adeline decides, you know what? I will not have experiments run on me today or tomorrow or any day. Mm -hmm. So she just flat out runs from the FBI. They have her in a car and she manages to get out through the trunk, which is actually really smart because they would have seen her if she got out one of the side doors. She was like, ain't nobody touching me. Yeah. She's like, not today. Not the FBI, not the CIA, not the IRS, nobody. Yeah, nobody. So now Adeline becomes a ghost. She moves every 10 years. She's constantly changing her identity. 
she is just, no, you will not, you will not catch me unawares. She's essentially running from the FBI now. She's running from the government because she knows that somebody somewhere out there is probably still looking for her. Even after 20, 30 years, the people that were originally looking for her are probably retired or dead. But still, there's probably a file somewhere that somebody might pick up. Yeah. So now we are at present day San Francisco 2014. So yes. at this point, Adeline is 107 years old, but she still looks the same. So when the accident happened, she was 29, but really she looked like yes. she was 25 and she looks yes. exactly the same. Yes. And her daughter, Fleming, which who names their daughter Fleming? That's a terrible name. It sounds like something you're trying to get out of your throat. I know. But her daughter Fleming is now an elderly woman who looks like she's in her 70s. Yeah, her daughter is living in a retirement facility. They're still in San Francisco. So what I'm assuming is that throughout the decades, she's just kind of moved towns. If you get a new identity, you could just move like a city this way, a city that way. And just circle back. You can just circle around. If you're moving every 10 years, you can just Mm -hmm. circle around to like the same like three, four cities every 10 years. You know what I mean? It almost feels like she hasn't been back to San Francisco since the original time that she left. Like it feels like that because her daughter mentions like, oh, I wish you would have been in my life more. Yeah. Her daughter's the only one who knows Adeline's secret. Adeline is now going by Jenny. But we're not going to call her Jenny because that's too confusing. We're going to call her Adeline. Adeline works at the city archive and Adeline just loves history, which when you live through it all, it's more like just nostalgia every day, Mm -hmm. you know? It must be so nostalgic. But Adeline is also getting her new identity set up and she is getting ready to move again in the next few months, few weeks. I think it was like seven months. And it doesn't seem like her daughter had any kids, does it? No, it doesn't seem like her daughter ever got married either. Interesting. Adeline's job for the city of San Francisco is, what is it called? The City Archive? Yeah, it's called the City Archive. And essentially, it's just like newspapers, news footage, and just like the history of the city. Yeah, so Adeline is digitizing the old newsreels and she finds articles of when she was born because she was the first baby to be born in 1908. She was born like almost Mm -hmm. like at the strike of midnight. Yes, she was born on New Year's Day. That's wild. Wild. 107 years, dude. Do you want to live that long when nobody else is living that long? We already know you do. I fully intend to be like the crypt keeper when I die. (laughs) You know, like my family is going to have to like prop me up like weekend at Bernie's, you know, (laughs) I plan on being completely immobile. They'd be like, Coco, can you hear me? And be like, "Uh." (laughs) Um. (laughs) oh my God. I am so looking forward to being a really creepy old lady. I cannot wait. It is like goals for me. Adeline's reliving this event of like when she was born, she's moved to tears about Mm -hmm. how long she's lived, how long she's lived. Adeline does not see her longevity And her essential immortality as a gift. It is a curse to her. Yeah, it is. She does not like it. Well, even like her dog, she has this cute little, what kind of dog is that? It's like a King Charles, I think. She has this cute, fluffy dog. And you could tell this dog is her entire world. But then also, Adeline has had many dogs over the decades that look identical to the one that she currently has. So it's almost like every time a dog dies, she goes and she gets an identical puppy and just starts over. Yeah. So it's a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. Oh, it's a cute dog. And his name is Reese. And yeah, this is 
the only thing other than her daughter that she seems to allow herself to have an attachment to. But you can also tell that Reese is getting older. Mm-hmm. Adeline goes to a New Year's Eve party with one of her friends. Mm-hmm. It's at the top of a building in San Francisco. And it seems to be swanky. I don't know if it's like a work adjacent party or what. Because working for the city archives, it seems like they rub elbows with very wealthy people that care about history. And sure enough, there's this very good looking guy that catches her eye and he just happens to be a philanthropist and uh, a history buff and also very very rich listen i love the name ellis it's the name of my youngest child yeah love the name i think they did this do dirty he looks like the unabomber okay yeah. the scraggly long hair the beard that's messy he looks like the unabomber went to college it's just i hate to break it to you bestie the unabomber did go to college <laughs> he looks like the, the unabomber the unabomber was a highly educated man like i think he had a doctorate okay he looks like the unabomber who didn't commit crimes i guess what you're saying is that he looks simultaneously kempt and unkempt He's this tall, dark-haired guy with a beard, and he has, like, his hair is a little too long. You know, like, you could see it's a little too long. He looks scraggly. A little bit, but, like, in a charming way. I don't know, man. Like, they just make him look messy. Let me tell you, he catches Adeline's eye. He does catch Adeline's eye. And listen, she tries to resist, okay? He gets in the elevator with her and just rides all the way down trying to chat her up a little bit. Mm-hmm. He tells her, like, I just wanted to spend 27 floors with you, which, first of all, adorable. Yeah. And he waits with her while the doorman calls her a cab. And he's like, how do I get a hold of you? And she just blows him off. She's like, have a good night. He thinks she's playing hard to get. She is hard to get. The next time they run into each other, he's at her work because he's on the board mm-hmm. of her work. And he's donating a whole bunch of books. And he's, he says he brought her flowers. The flowers are books with flower names. Mm-hmm. Again, adorable. This guy is just so fucking adorable. He is, yeah. He's trying hard. Listen, he got her vibe immediately and said yeah. challenge accepted. And she's, even her, who seems to have swore off men, even Adeline is finding it hard to be like, no, thank you. Well, yeah, he also tells her that he noticed her way before the party. He actually noticed her on the way out of a board meeting and she was sitting on the front steps of a building reading a book in Braille. Her reaction is interesting because it's almost like because she has lived to be 107 years old, she has explored a lot of hobbies, a lot of interests. Uh huh. But at the same time, she's self conscious about how worldly she is for a uh-huh. supposedly 29 year old. And she plays it down. She goes, Oh, yeah, it was just a nursery book, like some silly little easy book in Braille. And it's like, Okay, but like, Still, that's well, kind of cool. At first, she says, "Oh, yeah, that was a book in Norwegian on like political affiliations." And he's like, "Really?" She's like, "No, it was on nursery rhymes." <laughs> I feel like it was a book on political affiliations in Braille, probably. So he's there at her work, you know, to donate all these books, and then he says, "I'll only donate them if you accept them on the archives' behalf." And she's like, "No." Yeah, that would mean her taking a picture and being in the press accepting these books. And she, for obvious Uh, reasons, does not want her picture taken. Yeah. So he gives her a second option to where you let me take you out this afternoon. So she 
tries to decline, and then she finally agrees. Because he threatens to take the books away. Yeah, he does kind of blackmail her, but it's cute. So we'll allow it. I love how quickly you went from like, he looks like the Unabomber to like, a little extortion is fine. Listen, um, it doesn't make any sense, but I'm kind of into it. So. <laughs> um, but she says, where are you taking me? And he says, someplace you've never been. And she goes, in this city? That's unlikely. And he takes her someplace she's never been. It's like an underground cave. There's some sort of underground system under the city of San Francisco. And he says that they were digging down there and they found an old shipwreck. Like they literally found Mm -hmm. the side of a ship embedded in the ground. That's kind of cool. Right? And her cute little historian heart is like, oh my God, I love it. Okay, but I also want you to think about the fact that this guy looks like the Unabomber and then he took her on a first date into an underground like it's not cute underground okay this isn't like a finished basement situation this is like industrial yeah it was like a cave it was like leaking pipes like dirt floors they had flashlights it was just it was giving creepy there are times in movies where i think to myself if the music was just a little different the whole context would change if they would have put creepy music behind the scene it would have been so unsettling for sure but let's also remember that she's 107 years old and she's lived a good life <laughs> what are you saying you're saying it's time <laughs> are you saying like it's time bitch? it's time <laughs> it's time first well here's here's the thing i have questions one can she die too does she get sick is she susceptible to like disease Does she get colds, the flu? It's weird, right? Because she's immortal in the sense that she's not getting older, but I think she is mortal in the sense that she can die because put a pin in that. Like, how would she hold up against a guillotine? What's a guillotine? A guillotine? It's the thing that cuts your head off. Oh, okay. How How would she hold up against that? How would you hold up against that, Courtney? Let me ask you. Well, I'm just saying in Tuck Everlasting, they're immortal. They don't age. But if they cut their heads off, they would just reattach. Oh my God. Yeah. They can't die. Like they literally can't be killed. Yeah. I don't think those are the vibes here. I think the immortality vibes in this movie are purely aesthetic. If this was, if she, if this was 2020, would she have gotten COVID? What would happen if she had gotten COVID? Does she get sick? Yeah. I have questions. You have questions. I, as always, do not have any of the answers. As I tell my kids, I don't have any of the answers. I know nothing. They just let me take you home from the hospital. No one asked me if I was qualified. My kids have so much faith in me that I have all the answers that I feel the need to find all the answers for them. Do you just make it up? No, I try to find the right answers for them. Yeah, so this is a, I I don't know. I almost said this was a sweet date, but it wasn't a sweet date, but she appreciated it. And I guess that's all that counts. But you know what? When a girl likes a guy enough, the red flags just go over her head. Anyway, like if this was a red flag, which it's technically not in the context of the movie, but if it was, she would just be like, this is totally fine. He took me to an underground bunker cave thing for our first date. No food, nothing. Yeah. Then he wants to take her out to lunch and she's like, hey, I'm on my lunch break at work. I only get an hour. Like I have to go back. And so as he's walking her back to work, he says, I'm going to tell you a joke. And if I can make you laugh, you have to go to dinner with me before you move. Because she told him, like, this can't go any further. I'm actually moving soon. I'm running from the FBI. (laughs) Right. 
wouldn't it be funny if she did tell him that I'm actually running from the FBI? I think men are so unthreatened by women that this wouldn't be a red flag for him. He would just be like, oh my God, you're adorable. Really? What are you, like a murderer? I think that even if she was a murderer, he'd have been like, oh my God, that's so hot. I'd still hit. (laughs) I'd still hit it. Honestly, listen, even if Blake Lively was a murderer, who wouldn't be like, I'd still hit it? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Come on. For sure. It's Blake Lively. Come on. Get it together, people. But no, I think you're right. Men are just so unthreatened by women, even if they were murderers. Mm -hmm. Men are just like, that's adorable. That's why their life expectancy is shorter. Because you're not afraid enough of us. You're not afraid enough. And that's really on us, TBH. That's on us. You should fear women more. We need to be scarier is my point. Yes. I love that. We should be scarier. Make men afraid. Commit more crimes. Be scarier. Violence against men is just too low. (laughs) Do you know, I was watching this documentary on this serial killer. His name was The Ripper, not Jack the Ripper, a different ripper that happened like in the 70s. And they were having such a hard time catching this guy that they started passing like rules telling women to stay off the streets because it wasn't safe for them. And the women in England had this huge demonstration where they were like, keep the men off the street. They were like, why should we stay off the streets? It's the men killing, like keep the men off the streets. And I was like, damn, I love that. You know what? That's fair. We're not doing anything wrong. We're just existing. The men are the suspects. Keep them home. Yeah. She's like, keep the men off the streets. I was like, damn, love it. They should be in the kitchen, barefoot. They should be at work making money like they're supposed to. (laughs) And then come home and make dinner. They come home and fix something. Yeah. And you should be at work or in the garage fixing my, changing my oil. Go build me a bookshelf. (laughs) Change the oil, my car. Yes. Those are the only traditional values I subscribe to. Okay, so what is the joke that Ellis says to make her laugh? Because I can't remember. Okay, so it's a joke about baseball and a horse. I'm not going to tell the whole thing. But the punchline is, who ever heard of a horse pitching? And she laughs. She says, that's the worst joke I've ever heard. But she still laughs. Mm -hmm. She laughs a lot. The takeaway for me is the fact that he's trying to take this gorgeous woman out on a date and all he has to do is make her laugh and he tells the worst joke ever. Well, also, here's the thing. I think he clocked her vibe a long time ago. I think that if this was a different girl, he'd have told a different joke. So he knew that she was corny? Yes. Yeah. But here's the thing. She agrees to go to his house for dinner. Mm-hmm. First of all, you're going to go to his home yeah. on a second date? Mm. Well, I mean, you went to a cave with him on the first date, so I guess his house is probably safer. Yeah. <laughs> and his house is not much different than a cave because it's very unfinished. He apparently, this guy has a lot of money and a lot of time on his hands, and he's decided he's going to finish his house himself. Courtney, There is no one cheaper in this world than rich people. Like rich people are so cheap. Like you have so much money, my dude. And you You can't pay a contractor. You can't pay a contractor. Like you can help pay somebody to do it. No, instead he's like, yeah, I'm going to hang the drywall and then I'm going to do this. I'm going to paint. It's very industrial looking at this point. Imagine being married to a man like that. Like he's a multimillionaire and your house is completely unfinished because he's going to do it himself one day eventually. Yeah. So she's getting ready for her date and then she's wearing this this long sleeve tight like black sweater dress. It looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Adeline goes over to Ellis's house and he's cooking for her. And she asks, she's like, hey, what are you making? And he's like, oh, it's a delicacy. Girl, what did he make for her? He made hot dogs. 
<laughs> he made hot dogs. <laughs> to be fair, they looked pretty fancy. They had lots of toppings on them. Yeah, he made like fancy hot dogs. Which, by the way, it's presumptuous to put the toppings on someone else's hot dogs. Like, you don't know what they want. People are very sensitive about their hot dog toppings. But yeah, like they they look very fancy. But he did put all the toppings on them. But he also made like freaking 10 of them. Listen, it worked, okay? Because he got laid that night, okay? They started kissing. It got hot and heavy. Uh And they bang. They do the deed. They do the thing. They did do the deed. Here's the thing. She is consistently not just playing hard to get. Even after he got her, she's still like, no, 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 no. Leave me alone. Mm -hmm. Leave me alone. It's probably some trauma that he needs to work through. But it seems like he's very much attracted to the fact that she's unavailable. She is emotionally unavailable. Because to walk around carrying such a big secret, you will never get close to someone. You'll never open up fully Mm -hmm. to someone. And people can feel that. Like when you're with someone that's withholding themselves, you can feel that. And a healthy person would say, you know what? This isn't going to work. An unhealthy person is going to say, yum, yum, yum. Like, (laughs) And he's like, oh my God, I can fix her. New side quest unlocked. You know what? If this was the other way around, we, we would be like, oh my God, he's trash. Yeah, yeah. We would be like, red flags, red flags. We're just like, get it, girl. That's right, girl. You show him. You're too busy. So Adeline, it seems like very soon after this, her dog actually dies. She has to put her dog down. Yeah. So she goes home and her dog is just unresponsive on the floor and she takes him to the vet. He's having kidney failure and she asks the vet, you know, what would you do if you were me? We don't really see a whole lot after that, but she does go back to her apartment with no dog. Yeah, so she's really fragile right now. She has been ghosting Ellis, Mm -hmm. and obviously that won't do. And he does what any guy who looks like the Unabomber would do, and he figures out her address and goes and like basically confronts her outside of her house. Yeah, he gets her address from her work. He abused his position to find out where she lived. So Mm, like, that's so hot. Creepy. I mean, yes, but creepy. But also creepy. kind of hot. <laughs> Listen, I'm confused about this. But anyways, we're going to move on. We're going to just breeze right past that. He shows up outside of her apartment building and she's like, what are you doing here? He's like, you weren't responding to me. She's like, my dog, we had to put him down. And then she's like, I don't, there's a reason I don't tell people where I live. Leave me alone. I mean, rightfully so. She's upset with him for for bombarding her. Like, listen, if someone's not calling you back, there's a reason. You need to chill out. Like, I would be pissed too. If I wasn't calling someone back, I'm going through personal things and they just, they just corner me outside of my house. She says to him, this isn't going to work. I'm moving anyway. And she just walks off. Adeline goes to visit her daughter and help her pack up her apartment. Adeline tells her daughter that she's kind of sad and she says that she met a man and she kind of likes him. And her daughter is like, Mom, listen, anybody that was onto you is dead. Can you be happy and maybe live a little? You're depressing to be around, to be completely honest. (laughs) My whole life, mom. My whole life. Yeah, so her daughter basically begs Adeline to live her life. And Mm -hmm. Adeline goes back and apologizes to Ellis and she takes him on a creepy date because fair is fair. Right? Yeah. She takes him on a creepy date to a warehouse by a dock. Are they not soulmates? Like the fact that they both have the same date ideas. Yeah. It's of like isolated industrial place by the water. Meant to be. And also the people at the dock just know her by name. 
Yeah, yeah. It, it was used to be owned by this woman who wanted an open-air movie theater, like a drive-in. But the city of San Francisco said, no, you can't have one. So she got this warehouse and painted constellations on the ceiling and made it like a drive-in inside, like an indoor drive-in. Okay. All I kept thinking about is like, you don't want a bunch of cars indoors with their engines running. That's a, that's a different kind of gathering. You know what I'm saying? That's like what cults do <laughs> at the end. <laughs> that's like a different kind of Kool-Aid. There's actually cars still there, which is a little uh-huh. unbelievable to me that people are just leaving in 2014. Okay, they're just leaving these vintage mint condition cars sitting in this giant warehouse that no one owns, apparently, unless she owns it. I wonder. She might own it. Because we get a little glimpse that Adeline, as she has lived for 107 years, she has invested money. I think she invested in Xerox like way early yeah. days. And she was like, I'm patient. I can wait until this pays out. Yeah. So she's definitely invested her money because once she realized she wasn't aging, she's like, I have time. Good for her. But so Adeline definitely has money, honey. So he's impressed. Ellis is impressed by this date. They get into this vintage Mm -hmm. car and presumably I think they get down and dirty in this dusty ass car. Yes. Uh, That's that was my assumption as well from Uh everything. Yes. I think they definitely do the thing in the car. The way my allergies could never. Well, you see the dust fly off the car when she removes the blanket. <laughs> I know. I would be like, look, this is really cute, but I really can't be here. I forgot to take my Zyrtec. <laughs> so you know what? They're getting really close and stuff. It seems like they have made up and Adeline has decided to take her daughter's advice and live. A little bit. Just a little bit. A little bit. Just a little bit. And Ella says, hey, I know this might be a little soon, but... My parents are having their anniversary party this weekend at their house. You Mm -hmm. should come with me. Yeah. It's somewhere outside of the city. It's like an hour and Uh a half away. Adeline decides that she's driving. I don't know what this is about, but she drives like a freaking maniac. Yeah. She's just, Ellis is scared. He is scared. To be fair, I don't know. I feel like this particular scene was like a man's POV of a woman driving because it just feels like all men think that women drive like this, like just a maniac just swerving through cars. Right. So Adeline and Ellis get to his parents' house, presumably in record time. And we get a little shot of Ellis's parents before Adeline and Ellis get there. First of all, his Uh dad is played by Harrison Ford. Daddy. Mm -hmm. Daddy. Daddy is daddying. Yes. Love it. So mom and dad are having a conversation about this mysterious girl that Ellis is bringing over. Mom and dad's conversation kind of centers around how this girl just popped into his life out of nowhere. And he seems crazy about her already. He seems crazy about her already. And it's just, it it all seems kind of sudden. And what if she's just after his money? Mm -hmm. Adeline and Ellis get to the house. First, Adeline meets Ellis's mother, who is this very lovely woman and welcomes uh-huh. her into her home. And then Ellis's dad walks out. Harrison Ford, Mr. Ford, Mr. Daddy Ford. Daddy is flustered as soon as he sees Adeline. Yeah. And he goes, Adeline? Which, remember, 
Adeline is not Adeline right now. She's going by Jenny at this point in her life. There's this awkward moment because it's very obvious that the dad recognized her. And it's very obvious that she recognizes the dad. And almost immediately, Adeline's eyes start bubbling up with tears. And the dad Uh goes, I'm so sorry. You look just like someone I, I knew. Her name was Adeline Bowman. Adeline goes, yeah, that was my mom. Yeah, she's like, Adeline was my mother. And he's like, oh my goodness, the resemblance is uncanny. I hope your mother is well. And she's like, oh no, she died uh, six years ago. Arbitrary number. So imagine this, right? So it's very obvious at this point that Ellis's dad knows Adeline. And spoiler alert, they were a couple. They were together. The mom is standing right next to him, watching him have this moment. And Uh it's uncomfy. It's a very uncomfy situation. Yeah. Ellis's mom is trying to make conversation. She's like, oh, how did, you know, how did you meet her mother? And you can tell just by the wistful way that dad talks about Adeline, they were involved. And he talks about her very nostalgically, very lovingly. And mom gets jealous. Mm -hmm. You know, mom is, she kind of gets up and walks away. First of all, this is mom and dad's 40th anniversary. Yes. And the fact that he is just getting carried away talking about this woman who very obviously was the spitting image of Blake Lively because it was Blake Lively. Uh You know, he doesn't know that. But the mom is saying like, oh, she looked like this. She looked exactly like this. And you think so highly of her. I'm going to go find a bridge now. Thank you. Goodbye. Yeah. She's like, listen, she's like, is this how the whole weekend's going to be? The whole weekend that's supposed to be about our love and our marriage and our 40th anniversary. Are you just going to be reminiscing about an old friend the whole time? Right. Because he never, he's so awkward about it. He calls her a friend. He never says, oh, we dated or we were, oh, he was, she was my ex-girlfriend. He is trying to pretend that they were just friends, but then it's very obvious they were more than friends. Yeah. We find out through like a flashback. They met when she was studying abroad and And then when daddy moved back to the U.S., she moved back with him. And then he was going to propose. She saw him with a ring box and stood him up. Yeah, it seemed like they had a very storybook romance. And she was really into him and he was really into her. I don't know how long they were together, but it seems like things move really fast with Adeline. Yeah, it definitely seems like things moved very fast, but also it was like the 60s. I think most things moved pretty fast Mm -hmm. in the 60s. So you can tell that she was the one that got away from him. Yeah. And here she is. She's there. And Adeline's reaction to the dad, it's almost as if all the feelings she had for him come flooding back. Could you imagine just what is this 44 years later, running into somebody that you were in love with? that was going to propose to you that you ghosted. I just wonder, and this is kind of a weird thing to say, but I just wonder, do people ever really get over people? Like if you are truly madly in love with someone, are you ever really over them? Or do they? is it just like out of sight, out of mind? I think you get over the desire to be with them, but not the love you had for them. Mm-hmm. So obviously he got over the desire to be with her because he married someone else. Right. Or I think you find another desire. Or a crack. 
So another thing is that daddy discovered this comet and it's been this kind of ongoing thing in their family that the comet was supposed to appear in 1981 and it didn't appear. And like every year the family kind of looks for it. It's like a family tradition. The comet is named Della C81. Mm-hmm. He nicknamed it Della, which was Adeline's nickname. Yes. But he told his wife he named it after his great aunt Adele. So he is, I don't know, girl, he, why did he feel the need to lie to his wife about this big love that he had? I don't know, man. You can, t- I don't think he was totally over it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it definitely seems sus on daddy's part, but things get even weirder. Mm-hmm. That night, Ellis and Adeline are cuddling in bed and he tells her like, look, I know it hasn't been very long at this point. I feel like it's been literal days that they've been seeing each other. Yes. He tells her, I'm falling in love with you. I can't see my life without you. I don't know, girl, that is way too soon. Like, I get it. I see the picture. I see it. She is so worldly. Uh She's so interesting. She's so mysterious and elusive. And she's Blake Lively. I get it. But that's still such a red flag. That's still, that's love bombing to me. Maybe it's just like in his DNA. My theory of like why he caught her eye, my theory is that he reminded her of his dad But when we see what his dad looked like, what young Harrison Ford looked like, it didn't really look like him. Young Harrison Ford did not look like the Unabomber. He looked like boy next door, young Brad Pitt type. Maybe their pheromones were similar. Ew. I know. And that's the other thing, too. It's so awkward, right? Like she banged his dad. We're assuming she banged his dad. We don't know for sure. Really? It was the 60s. Did people bang in the 60s 60s like that? Do you want to ask your grandma if people banged in the 60s? They're all dead. Don't you have a Ouija board? No, I don't allow Ouija boards in my house. (laughs) Gotta ask grandma somehow. You know what? No, that's fair. They probably did do that in the 60s. 60s was all like hippies and free love, right? Yeah, I can't believe you thought everybody was a virgin in the 60s. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, Adeline doesn't really say anything to him. She's just like... Wow, that's cute. Oh um, my God. Yeah, she's really sweet and gracious in her response, but it's very obviously too soon for her. The next morning after this whole very fast love bombing situation that he did, <gasps> love bomber, unabomber. I told you. <laughs> you did, you did, you I did. I told you, did. you. You did call it out. So the next morning, Ellis goes out for a run. It seems like everybody's doing their own thing to prepare for the big anniversary party. Uh Uh-huh. Dad bumps into Adeline. There's like a bug in her hair and they're both trying to get it out. And he notices a scar on her hand. That scar really freaks him out. And she doesn't even notice his reaction because she's so desperately just trying to get away from him. She feels so awkward around him that she doesn't notice that he noticed the scar in her hand. Yeah, dad frantically runs to like a garden shed or some shit like that. Like his shed of secrets. He runs to his (laughs) shed of secrets. Every dad has a shed of secrets. Yeah, he has a box in there with old pictures. And it seems like he has one, exactly one picture of Adeline where she was kind of trying to cover her face. We get a flashback 
of when Adeline got that scar on her hand. They were hiking. Yeah, dad and Adeline were hiking originally, you know, when they were romantically involved. She cut the side of her hand on something and he stitched it up there on the scene. So he's like, that's not the type of thing that he could confuse. Like he's very familiar with that scar. He literally stitched it closed. And I think him running to his shed of secrets to find her picture it really solidified the fact that this is the same person. Because even though in the picture she's trying to cover the bottom half of her face, it's very obviously Blake Lively. And he's like, holy shit, it's the same person. Yeah, he ain't about to let that slide. Mm -mm. He takes the picture and then he literally like tracks her down in his car. She had went for a walk. So she's walking down this path in the woods and Uh he just rolls up on her behind her. I thought he was going to kill her. He's just going to mow her down. (laughs) If I can't have you, nobody can. Well, it's like, honestly, like, what if he was a conspiracy theorist and he thought like she was a zombie or something? Ooh, that would have been been Um, so much better. (laughs) But he literally, he gets inches away from her in his car. And because he's coming in hot, he gets out and he comes over with the old picture. And he's just like, Adeline, I know it's you. Explain this. And explain your hand. Well, he says, I know that scar. I stitched it. Like, I know it's you. And uh-huh. she is at a loss for words because, uh-huh. bitch, you got caught. Then what I realized, too, about what was happening is the fact that this poor man was being gaslit. Do you know? Uh-huh. Like, that's really why he was acting so weird. Because it's, imagine you run into someone, you're like, holy shit, you're this person. And they're like, no, that was my mother. And you're just like, but you're literally identical down to, uh, no, 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 that was my mom. You are not seeing what you're seeing. He was being gaslit. And when you're being gaslit, you go crazy. Yeah. He was probably like, I'm losing my goddamn mind. He says that. Adeline doesn't look the way I think she looked. Right. He says that. He said, I thought I was going crazy until I saw this picture because that was the only picture he had of her. So she only existed in his memory and memory can kind of distort over time. And he thought maybe she just bears a resemblance and I am imagining her to be an exact replica. But then he sees that picture and he's like, no, bitch, this is you. Yeah. And she folds and she's like, I don't know how to explain it. Like I... She admits the truth to him and she, he's like, basically, he's like, well, what about Ellis? She's like, if I was going to tell anybody else the truth, it would be Ellis. Yeah. And I think in that moment, the dad realizes, oh, she's going to do the same thing to my son that she did to me. And he begs her to not run away. He's like, please, please don't run away. And she's like, everything's going to be fine. And then she Runs, runs away. away. <laughs> she runs away. She gets, she goes to the house, she packs her bag and she drives off. The dad is like begging her. He's like, please, please, please don't go. Don't leave my son. Don't, yeah, don't do this to my son. Do yeah. not do this. Because he knows how, how it feels to lose her. And she leaves Ellis a note. And when he gets back from his run, he takes a shower and then he sees that she's gone and he finds the note. And he's like, yo, dad, because she took his car, by the way. Yeah, yeah. That was confusing. I thought maybe because she drove, she took her own car. I don't know. No, it was his car. car. (laughs) For somebody who's afraid of the FBI, she is breaking some laws right now. Yeah, yeah. She is legit stealing a car here in this situation right yeah so ellis tells his dad dad i need your car keys i have to go after her 
The dad withholds the car keys until Ellis answers a question, which is, how do you know you really love her? And Ellis says, because nothing makes sense without her. Stop it. Okay, adorable, but like it's been like a week. I know, calm down. Honestly, I don't know that I would trust someone who fell in love with me that quickly. Like, have you met me? No, but like, (laughs) no, but like someone who falls in love in a few days, they have bad judgment because you have to be smart enough to know that you don't know a person in a few days. Yeah. So Adeline is driving and she's thinking of all the times that she's picked up and ran and had to start over. And she just realizes that she's tired of it. Yeah. She pulls over, she calls her daughter and it's late and her daughter's an Uh old lady. So if it's after 7 PM, her daughter's asleep. And she just says, I'm sorry to wake you up, but I just wanted to let you know you're right. And I'm done running and I'm going to live my life. So this was basically Adeline saying, I'm going to go get my man. Yeah. So she goes to do a U-turn and she gets hit by a truck. And then that truck just takes off. Dude, so the truck plows her off the road. Her car flips multiple times. She's ejected Uh from the vehicle. She's out of the car, but it starts snowing. Yeah, it starts snowing. And that mysterious narrator, who we don't know who it is, definitely not Morgan Freeman, he tells Mm -hmm. us that it's the first time that it has snowed in Northern California since the day of Adeline's accident, which was like, over 70 years ago. And he starts explaining how she begins to experience hyperthermia and her heart starts to slow and eventually completely stops. Ellis has dad's car. He gets there. Somebody has already stopped and called the paramedics. He's doing CPR on her, but the paramedics get there. So the paramedics put the defibrillator on her and restarted her heart. So essentially... The exact events of her original accident are happening again. Uh, The hyperthermia, mm -hmm. her heart stopping for like two minutes, the defibrillator, the first time it was a bolt of light. The first time it was a bolt of lightning, this time it's an actual defibrillator. And when her heart restarts, the narrator talks about some mumbo jumbo. Is this Elon Musk? Is that the narrator? Because Elon Musk talks out of his ass a lot. You know what? It's definitely Elon Musk-y, but I trust this narrator and I don't (laughs) know Musk. Elon Musk is like the human chat GPT where like he talks nonsense with so much confidence and authority that you're just like, obviously this guy is a genius. Yeah. But yeah, (laughs) so it's, it's a little bit of a Uno reverse card happening here. Yeah. And so we don't know what this means yet. We can kind of be like, okay, did it make her super immortal? Did it undo (laughs) the immortality? What happened? Yeah. Yeah. Can she really get her head cut off now and be fine? Right? That's a cool party trick. Well, it's cool. (laughs) Watch this. Hey, want to see what I can do? Guillotine. (laughs) But so the next scene is at the hospital. The doctor comes out and tells Ellis, hey, listen, she's fine. We don't see any permanent damage. You can see her now. Ellis tells her, I know why you ran away. You ran away because I told you I loved you. And I know that was too soon. And I'm so sorry. But she tells him like, no, I love you too. So I'm I'm also a walking red flag as well. Yeah. And she's like, also, there's something else. My name's not Jenny. Let me tell you a story. Yeah. And then we get robbed of this moment. Like the moment where she tells him the truth, we don't get to see it, which I think it's BS because I wanted to hear that conversation where she tells him like, 
I banged your daddy. You know what I mean? Like we didn't I think she probably left that part out. (laughs) Like it was a question he would have had to ask. Maybe not in that moment. Maybe that wasn't the right time, but it would have had to have been addressed. But also Adeline's daughter gets there and she introduces herself. She goes, I'm Adeline. She's like, I'm her I'm her grandmother. And Adeline's like, oh no, he he knows. Like, yeah. you don't have to pretend. Oh my God. And the daughter's reaction, she just hugs Ellis and she is crying. And you could tell it's like, it's like the first time, I don't know how many years, probably like 60 plus years that she's been acknowledged as a daughter. Yeah. And honestly, Ellis seems to have accepted this whole thing pretty fucking quickly. Like he had zero questions. Well, yeah, because we got robbed of the actual... Yeah. And our movie leaves us with one year later of Ellis and Adeline getting ready for a party. Yeah. I imagine it's like a new year party. Like I imagine it's like her birthday again. And as Adeline's getting ready to head out the door, she glances in the mirror and then starts walking off, but she stops and doubles back and checks the mirror again. She she doubles back to the mirror, leans in, and she has one white hair at her temple. One itty bitty little white hair. I call Cap that she noticed it because she's blonde. Like, how do you notice one white hair on blonde hair? gray hair is normally coarser. So it might have just been like a weird texture. And she was like, what is that? And then she's like, it's a gray hair. Yeah. And she immediately starts tearing up. And her daughter in the next room says, are you okay? And she goes, yeah, I'm great. So this is her. Mm. I don't know. How do you think she feels about it? Like, she's probably like, oh, no, I'm going to be so ugly. <laughs> get old. No, I think she's really happy because she said that she stopped. She didn't want to get involved with anybody because there would be no growing old together. And now she gets to grow old with Ellis. And the mysterious narrator comes back on and says that the the duplication of her original accident reversed the anti-aging process. Mm-hmm. So now she ages again. Yeah. Do you think Ellis is going to be mad where he's going to be like, oh, man, I don't know. I I don't think Ellis is going to be upset. I Honestly, I think Ellis is just happy to be here. He's just happy to be nominated. <laughs> he's just happy to be here. He's he's going to be like, huh, OK. What I also want to know is, OK, so what happens with the dad and the mom? Because remember how jealous the mom was that the dad was mm-hmm. just remembering this Adeline. How is the mom going to feel when he's like, oh, actually, it is her, like the super hot girl? I don't think they're going to tell mom. <laughs> oh, my God. They're not going to tell mom. Mom's never going to know. Oh, my God. Would you want a secret like that to be kept from you? No, I wouldn't. I'm just saying, do you think that those men are going to tell that woman? No. <laughs> It's probably for the best, I suppose. Is she going to age rapidly now? Oh my God, you're right. Because she, it's like one year passed and she had a white hair. What if literally she's going to be aging a decade every year? And Ellis is going to be like, I did not fucking sign up for this. (laughs) Right? Do you think there's another movie where the mom finds out and then there's a face-off between her and Adeline? Because I want to see that. Definitely think there is an awkward Christmas where mom <laughs> finds dad's weird woodshed. Oh my God. His his shed of secrets. Yeah. And that's where our movie leaves us today. The teapot is empty for the day. Don't worry, more is brewing in on the way. We'll be back next week with another episode. See you next time. Bye.